Kevin, today we are going boldly where no comms podcast has ever gone before into subspace. So the guest is Shatner, William Shatner. No, 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 no. We didn't. We didn't get Shatner. I think he's actually retired these days. But we did get Mo Nezerati, the president of Voice. I, I want. I want that title, president of Voice from Subspace. Talking Heads is a semi-monthly podcast with interviews of the top movers and shakers in enterprise communications and collaboration. Your hosts are Dave Michaels and Evan Kerstel, both of which offer extraordinary services, including research, analysis, and social media marketing. You can find them on Twitter, LinkedIn, or at TalkingPoints.com. That's Points with a Z and EvanKerstel.com. That's K-I-R-S-T-E-L. Welcome, Mo. Hey, Dave, Evan, great to be with you guys today. Thanks. So, you know, I guess the obvious first question is, what is subspace? Well, subspace is the place where real-time application traffic moves the fastest. Back boldly when starships needed to communicate with each other over very long distances, they used subspace. Well, here on Earth, we haven't gotten to those starship times yet. So in order for traffic to move really well from on real-time applications, we've now built this environment called subspace where traffic moves from one point to the other across our hundreds of pops around the world using our special software that calculates and analyzes where traffic is being bottlenecked and and stopped. And we ensure that all communications goes from A to B the fastest possible way. So I just wanted to be clear, because this is an audio podcast, that Evan is the one wearing the red shirt. I don't want any any confusion (laughs) uh, if there's any aliens listening to this. You got to help me out here, because Talking Heads, this podcast, this is all about enterprise communications. I think of subspaces, games, or whatever. We cover serious stuff like solitaire. But thanks for coming anyway. It's been a good podcast, and and we'll invite you back when you get serious. <laughs> yeah, well, it's interesting. Before COVID, when we first started, we we were solving problems for multiplayer gamers who were sitting at home, connecting to remote servers where their games were being played. And guess what? A lot of us now are sitting at home connecting to remote infrastructure in order to get our work done. So there is actually a connection between how we solve problems for people sitting at home, connecting to those remote infrastructures for games, to now people doing the same thing within enterprises. So So the way that we've all worked and the evolution of how we worked has changed. And Subspace is, I think, now a perfect solution for these enterprise customers who used to have like 20 offices that they connected, and now they've got 20,000 offices that they need to connect. So, So we solve all kinds of problems for people. So it's all fun and games until your internet goes out. <laughs> That's it, exactly. So I get what you're saying. My teenage son is a gamer, and when he's on the latest Fortnite load, that completely destroys my my home internet. So clearly games and enterprise collaboration happen over networks. Are you saying you're a collaboration game for the enterprise at Subspace, or what are you doing exactly? Well, not quite a collaboration game. You can think about us as a parallel speed of light network that is designed specifically to solve the movement of real-time traffic. In the last uh, 10, 15, 20 years, the internet has really evolved in terms of providing solutions for volumetric data, things like Netflix, YouTube, the latest download of your iOS software that you get, and all of a sudden a billion people decide to upgrade. So all of those sort of stored images of information are being 
pulled across the internet to people. And it feels like, wow, the internet has gotten faster for us. But in fact, it's only gotten better for static volumetric data hasn't gotten better for real-time traffic. So what we do is we make make that movement of real-time traffic a lot better and faster. I'm looking at your internet site and you've got the tagline that you're taking control of the internet. It's like a, that's, the outer, that's the outer limits reference. Uh, we now return control of the internet to you. So is the internet out of control, I guess, is the first question. And isn't that kind of what I know of as network acceleration, and, and that's no game, isn't that kind of a crowded sector for a startup? It's not so much a crowded sector for startups right now. There, Like I said, there's a lot of solutions in and around the sort of the content delivery networks that solve these kinds of problems. But there is very few companies, and you know, other than sort of SD-WAN solving problems for off remote offices connecting to one another, no one is actually paying any attention to accelerating traffic from infrastructure all the way down to someone's home in, you know, wherever they may be on from any point in the world to any point in the world. And I think the way that we've deployed our software and hardware stack really is a, is a massive differentiator in, the, in solving some of these issues. Okay, Mo, I think I get it. I, in my previous life, I was an XB, SBC expert at Acme Packet, the inventor of session border control. And I, I learned a lot about the edge. But you aren't an SBC vendor, so I guess I don't have to buy a $90,000 box to put in my home. So what is your edge exactly? Our software is really precise in calculating network paths. So some of our secret sauces in terms of how we solve these problems is... Oh, I like secret sauce. (laughs) (laughs) We broadcast the same IP address around the world through our POPs to a destination. Let's take an example of a user in an enterprise space connecting over a Citrix session or a virtual desktop session from one end to the other. They typically put in the IP address or you know a DNS name for that uh, Citrix server, and then they'll connect over the public internet to that destination. So what we do is we broadcast out a proxy, a replacement IP address and port for that server that they're trying to connect to. And we push that same IP address across all of our POPs. So we will be five milliseconds away from the user sitting in Mumbai, India, and we're five milliseconds away from the user sitting in, in Sydney, Australia, or Frankfurt, Germany, or you know Denver, Colorado. So as those users join that IP address from anywhere they're located, we carry that traffic all the way to the destination. And then our software calculates very precisely what all the possible paths are from the ingress point on the network to the egress point where we need to get out and reach that destination. So those calculations are done like on a millisecond by millisecond basis. And we connect with hundreds of ISPs around the world and we calculate exactly which paths are the fastest paths. And we continually calculate those paths and the, and the speed at which we need to deliver those packets. So at any given point, if we, if we pick a path for you that is slower than the one that is available, you know, five milliseconds later, what we'll do is we'll actually move you onto the next path. So we're continually measuring an in-flight. We can move your transmission of your packets from one path to the other. We weather map how internet traffic is moving. 
because of all these like millions of gamers that are on our network playing their games. And at any time, if there's any congestion, there's wire cuts or anything else, we essentially, we can detect that and move the traffic over to a different path without any interruption. So it's a really interesting type of solution. Wow. Sounds almost magical. So are you looking at traditional corporate networks or is this more about the last mile to the home or, or both? It could be both. What we have customers uh, that are looking at connecting their offices through us. They're, you know, located in, in far off locations. They typically have relied on MPLS links or, you know, SD-WANs in order to connect these offices together. But the problem is when you have now, as I mentioned, if you have thousands of people working inside of their homes, you now have thousands of offices where you might, you may have had tens of offices in the past. So corporations need to now sort out how to connect and make all of the remote home offices as part of their collective se- seamlessly. But we also have people coming and going in any environment. So IT does not want to necessarily come up with ways or solve for, you know, shipping hardware and configuration and helping onboard or offboard these hundreds of people that might join your company on a given month. So our solution not only can solve the problem with physical office locations, but it also extends to all the remote offices that people now have with their new work from home realities. So we deal with both the corporate networks as well as the last mile. And we always do all of our calculations all the way down to the edge. Because we work with and we peer with hundreds of ISPs around the world, each one of our POPs is connected to all the uh, the best providers in that region. And we can move traffic natively from one network to another network across ours seamlessly without having a lot of bounce overs between these networks. I never really thought about working from home as kind of a, a game, but I, I guess it's just a different game, just not a very fun game. It's a, I guess it's a rat race game or something like that. But when you're working from home, is there any kind of particular workload that you are helping optimize? Is it voice, video, text, or what does subspace optimize? Well, we fundamentally optimize the, the network connections from any client that they're running at that time to the server that they're connecting to. Now, those servers could be video conferencing servers like your Zoom server, your Microsoft Teams server, your Cisco WebEx server, etc. We could be accelerating the paths there and making sure that your connection is stable and reliable all the way through. But it could also be you know, a contact center agents who are receiving inbound calls, sitting at home, connecting to contact center infrastructure that's far, far away from them. And uh, as you guys know, in this space, you've got a lot of experience, you've got agents that may be sitting in dozens of different countries connecting to the same infrastructure. So because of the nature of how we, uh, we've we deployed our software and the fact that we broadcast the same IP address all around, we are so close to most of the population or where those agents are sitting and, and we can carry that network traffic. Lastly, we're seeing a lot of demand for virtual desktops. Again, in a lot of verticals, like the finance vertical, virtual desktops are used a lot because you don't want people storing, you know, financial information that onto their computers. Everything's sort of done through thin compute. And we accelerate those virtual desktop environments. But we're also seeing uh, solutions like AI assist solutions that are looking for be- better latency. How these products work essentially is they analyze the conversation between, you know, two parties and then they, they try to say, Hey, did uh, Evan have a similar problem or with somebody else before? Or yeah, Dave 
solve that problem with a different way. So those AI assists looks at the knowledge base to try to identify solutions. So the timeliness of identifying those solutions, picking up the keywords and then responding back to the agent is really important. So if we can start shaving hundreds of milliseconds and seconds off of that transaction time, when the agent is receiving those AI assist suggestions becomes much more relevant to the conversation they're having. So before they move off, off onto the next topic. So we're seeing all kinds of really, really interesting applications. This is really intriguing because, you know, we, we talk a lot about work from home and all the transitions that have occurred, but we haven't really talked that much about the network. I'm glad you talked about the agent at home. I mean, that's the one part of enterprise communications, the, the contact center that we, that's actually named after a physical place and not, and not anything else. Do you think that uh, agents at home are going to last? Or do you think they're going to be heading back into the office at some point? It's hard to say how that's going to change in the future. But regardless, you know, I look at sort of the history of real-time applications over the course of the last 10 years or so. If you look at, you know, when we had 3G networks uh, on cellular, and I think, you know, cellular milestones are interesting ones because- I love bring- the BGs, man. The BGs are great. <laughs> yeah, Dave, Dave still has 3G. He's really hooked. For sure. Staying so- alive. <laughs> well, that's, that's the whole staying alive and, and being connected is what all of these applications, real time solutions are all about. But, you know, th- when, when we had 3G networks, you had only voice applications potentially that were working. As soon as we had LTE come in with 4G, we had TikTok and, uh, you know, video applications and Instagram and all sorts of new applications that, that popped in. Now with 5G rolling out, I think there's a whole new layer of applications that will come in. And a lot of these new systems are going to rely on real-time networks. Uh, you think you you know we've all read about machine-to-machine communications, IoT sensors everywhere. If the information that these sensors are sensing are not sent back to environments where they're being processed in a timely manner, they their relevance becomes less. So I'm not really worried about whether this lasts or not. I think we're in it for a little while anyway. But regardless of whether agents stay at home or come back into a physical delivery center, I think we're going to see you know the number of uh, real time applications increase. And I think you know, we, uh, we are at least underpinning our company on solving this problem in a broad sense, much more dynamically going forward. Exciting. So, so contact center agents are all about service and often mission critical to the company's operation. Is Subspace able to provide that premium customer service, whether it's availability or reliability or speed, network, QoS, et cetera, for that, for that mission critical operation? For sure. I mean, we've talked a lot about sort of subspace's ability to give performance all the way down to the edge. I mean, if we look at how IT managed delivery centers in the past, they managed the connection, they managed the performance, they managed the security of these locations. Well, with agents going home, they're no longer able to guarantee the kind of performance that agents are going to get all the way down to the edge. So the beauty of subspace is we give that performance all the way to the edge, but we really simplify the deployment because we don't require any hardware or software to be installed at the edge or on the server. We are a pure network solution and we do all of our problem solving using IP addresses. So the elegance and the simplicity of the product itself is really part of our magic in terms of like solving these uh, these problems for IT without really burdening them with any kind of solution that is going to involve more training or more IT involvement. You know, if we look back at the example I provided on on the uh, remote desktop, you're literally 
replacing an IP address with a different IP address, and that IP address is broadened across broadcast around the world. So we're really simplifying, in fact, how people connect and and, and how people work. And I got to call you out on that, Mo. I, no, nobody comes on our podcast and gets to explain things away with magic. Can you give us an idea of some of the technology you're actually using? For sure. So we literally are monitoring how traffic is moving and we're weather mapping in real time. We have precision timers that basically measure traffic and how data is moving across the internet in nanoseconds. So our, our timers are incredibly precise and we use technologies that maps out a source to a destination in millions of different paths. And we're always comparing these paths to one another in real time. So we have oh, you're, a massive... You're like, you're like, wait, we are exactly so we're in fact all of the traffic that moves and the weather mapping that we're doing is similar to how Waze or Google Maps and others are looking at traffic analysis on a physical road given the information they're getting from people's phones sitting in their pockets so we measure that traffic and we and when we, we, we gotta, identify we gotta get, it you, we got to help you out with your metaphors you you want to do in weather stuff on Waze and you do things in flight you too many metaphors here <laughs> I'm trying to dumb it down for you, Dave. <laughs> Ooh, well, let, that's, let's, that's let's shift the discussion. <laughs> let's shift the discussion from the theoretical, abstract metaphors to customers. Tell us what traction you're getting in the market with real customers and developers. We are getting great traction. We have tons and tons of developers. We already have a waiting list of over 10,000 developers that are waiting to onboard our service. We have enterprise customers that are clamoring to get on various different services that we've got, whether it's our, you know, SIP teleport product that accelerates SIP traffic or our global turn product, which is a total disruptor in the whole WebRTC space. We have customers that are looking to get on board and start solving this. And to the point I made earlier is we are fairly unique in the way that we're solving this problem. And that's why we have so much interest from customers already. Do you have a channel? How do, how do, I, how do I buy subspace? I'm just, I'm guessing I don't go over to GameStop. No, <laughs> we're hoping to be a hotter stock than GameStop in a few years. Wow. We're building our channels to market right now. Our developers can basically uh, you know, head over to subspace.com and there's a sign up button right there and they can sign up and, uh, and, and join the party. You want, to, you want to be the opposite of GameStop. You want to be Game Go. Yes, exactly. Real time and going so fast that you can't see us move. And more practically speaking, it does seem logical to go through UCAS and CCAS providers is that your road to market is partnering with with those folks and having them resell or bundle subspace? Absolutely. We are in discussions right now with a number of UCAS and CCAS providers. And the way we're going to market with them is A, solving problems individually for some of their larger clients. So if you're a BPO that has you know tens of thousands of uh, contact center agent seats and you're looking for a solution and you have a provider, we're working with them to solve the problems for those individual companies. But we're also working with them to upsell and bundle subspace into their existing offers. So if you have a voice or a video platform like many of the UCAS providers have. If you're looking for a better experience for your users, we can bundle subspace and make those experiences better. It really stops the need for those providers to start to increase their infrastructure footprint because we can bring traffic and users to them faster than they can build out infrastructure and connect all of these systems together. 
That makes a lot of sense that you would go through the providers, the UCAS or CCAS providers. Some of them have already got a kind of gotten into network services with SD-WAN offers. How is this different than, say, SD-WAN? Well, SD-WAN is great for, you know, fixed points and it does, it does a great job at that. I think we complement, you know, a company's investment in SD-WAN by really taking traffic all the way down to the edge. While we have some customers who want to use this exclusively and eliminate some of their MPLS or SD-WAN infrastructure, many of our customers are using us first for their remote workforce where SD-WAN is not really a practical solution. And from there, you know, we can sort of explore how we go forward. Generally, you know, we th- we think that we're sort of like the next generation of SD-WAN. And, and we have features that we're building into the system that allows you to sort of compose your own network, put in rules around who joins from where, which directions, and which countries to, you know, have a network travel through, which countries to avoid, etc. So we have all kinds of really interesting solutions and composability of the network that I think makes our solution very attractive for companies that have specific uh, compliance needs or other other issues. And clearly, subspace has benefited from the pandemic. I actually can't think of another startup that has better timing than subspace, given the reality of customers' needs right now. But what comes next post-pandemic, knock on wood? How do you see your customer landscape changing, if at all? I think the opportunities, as I mentioned, you know, they're, they're boundless with respect to the need for real time networks. So I, I see the need increasing, whether it's, you know, solutions like AR, VR that require real time feedback from users and environments, whether it's IoT, you know, speed has always been a premium. And when, you know, companies have always wanted to get a better, faster, safer internet. Now that we can provide that safety and security and performance all the way down to the home, it really gives people an opportunity. For example, at Subspace, we've been growing our employee base, but instead of looking locally where we would have done in the past, we're now hiring the best people who can do the job no matter where they're located. And the ability for us to sort of extend our offices to anywhere in the world, you know, just by connecting people together, really, I think, extends every company's ability to manage and grow their footprint and their customer base. So fundamentally, I think that the need for real-time traffic and real-time solutions is on an upswing. And we're seeing requests from, you know, database synchronization to IoT. We have, you know, we actually have like a university right now that has a simple problem with like their, their, uh, their users with SSH, the performance of SSH. So we're just simply solving that for them. So Love it. it's, uh, Love it's, it. it's amazing the amount of opportunities that I think exist. Uh, telemedicine is coming along, you know, so there's all kinds of very interesting solutions uh, that people are building. And, and we haven't even dreamt up the next generation of products. You know, when we had 3G, we didn't dream of solutions like TikTok. You know, what will 5G solutions look like as we have better networking across devices? Well, please connect Dave Michaels to subspace because I've been trying to get him off of that fax machine for years. So subspace might be, you know, an excellent opportunity to finally ditch the fax, Dave. All right. All right. I sold him that fax machine. So, you know, (laughs) know, I'm I'm glad you mentioned a little uh, history there because we can't, we we can't let you go without asking you a little bit about a little history. We just had Davida and Laura on from Avaya just a few episodes ago. Mm -hmm. And they were talking about, you've probably never heard of this, Avaya Spaces. But I believe you were one of the master architects 
of its prior previous name, Zhang. I was kind of surprised to see you left Avaya. Was it one of those, uh, if you love something, you let it go? Is that type? Is that the logic there? I really enjoyed my time at Avaya. I learned a lot from the people there and the team. I think, you know, when I had, when I joined the company after selling Esna to Avaya in 2015, I had committed to doing my best over the three year time that I had committed to staying there. And I did stay there the full three years. I reached a point where I needed a little bit of a break. Uh, I think the summer of 2018 was the first summer that I hadn't worked since like 1982. So I, I took some well deserved time off and relaxed a little bit and then got right back in to it when the pandemic hit. So I enjoyed, uh, definitely enjoyed my time off. And I'm happy that I was able to contribute to Avaya by coming up with products like Spaces, which is hopefully transforming some of their mindset and, and customer reach. It's a great story because I think it's fair to say uh, Spaces is probably the most significant development out of Avaya uh, this century. So uh, not a bad thing to have on your, on your uh, CV yeah. there. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, it's been exciting to learn about subspace. And I think we need to talk more about network stuff, Evan. What do you think? Well, once you get rid of the fax machine and really uh, dive into packet-based communication, Dave, we can we can consider that. But, you know, you're a bit too attached to, uh, to POTS, what we call plain old telephony for my uh, liking. Well, very good. All right. Well, thank you very much, Mo. And it's uh, so, so nice to hear from you. And we're going to be watching subspace very carefully. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Evan. I appreciate your time today. And I've, I've always enjoyed talking about subspace with you. So let me know anytime. You want some information, some kind of conversation. Bye.